1: Welcome back in. Alan is a good dude. He, he keeps the FCC off my tail. Thanks for answering my, my question, Alan. I, I'm going apoplectic over here. In I case
2: can tell. You, I was going to come in and give you some water. Or yeah. I'd give you a hug. I don't know. <laughs>
1: is, is Representative Click still on the line? Oh, with yeah, this? yeah. Okay, okay perfect. Um, well, Alan, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's a story for uh, the post show. I'll do, a, I'll do a live and I'll tell you what we're talking about here. But uh, State Representative Click, thank you for sticking with me. I appreciate you. You bet. Um, so I want to read something from an article that's super fantastic written by the National Review. Finally, oh, okay. and most obviously, it is totally legitimate for governments to regulate behavior involving children, whether it be their access to alcohol, tattoos, or medical care. The argument advanced by Bill sixty-eight's proponents and conspicuously avoided by DeWine is that these surgeries and drug treatments are abusive and against the best counsel Of medical science, even if the current medical establishment has been hijacked by activists, which is totally true, Uh, jurisdictions in Europe that have already traveled down this road have come running back to reel in these abuses. And um, so, you know, the argument is the government ought not be involved in that. That's bunk. Um, Kids can't Mm. do the aforementioned. And by the way, Mike DeWine just uh, (laughs) just vetoed a bill that would have outlawed menthol cigarettes for adults. Is there, is there any irony there? Well, yeah, I, I, it's just a little different than that. What he does is he wants to
3: regulate menthol cigarettes in adults. He wants to protect the adults from menthol cigarettes, of all things, but not to protect children from these dangerous drugs that sterilize kids, that, that give them increased risk for cardiovascular disease, that stunts brain development. Good night. It has so many these drugs have so many side effects. I, I just don't get it. I don't comprehend how he can go there and and justify that choice or justify that decision. It's it's just totally wrong, Jack. So
1: I, I, I know how he gets there. This and, is and Mike. Jack, to wa- my go mind, we, we banned female genital mutilation
3: in the 132nd General Assembly, whether the parents want it or not, and the parents were wanting it. Uh, it, but what's this? This does the same thing. It, it mutilates children's genitals. Is it OK now because it does it to boys and girls? I don't know. The logic escapes me.
1: Well, this is the problem. You're going to the crux of the issue when you're dealing with experts and elitists. There is no logic. They, they don't have facts. They don't have evidence. They don't have data. They say so, darn it. And they're right. That's the problem that Mike DeWine has run into. He ran into it with COVID. He's now running into it with House Bill 68. He's leaning on experts, but the experts are people who have a vested interest in this $5 billion right. industry that has been, by the way, ginned up by drug companies and big hospitals. But nobody wants to talk about that. So here's the interesting thing. And, and, and I, it, our lawmakers are going to ask him this. Uh, he, he mentions that he's talked to experts. He's talked to adults and families. Okay, which ones, Governor? Tell us which ones you yeah. talked to. I, I want evidence. I want receipts. You're governor. This is not a private issue. This is a public matter. Has he has he revealed who he's talked to?
3: Well, I, I know I put some good doctors in front of him, and he seemed to be. I was honest, I was very hopeful uh, because they talked to uh, you know Doctor Vanderhoff, who received them uh, warmly. Uh, and ultimately talked to the, the governor. And I was, I was just hopeful in this whole thing. Listen, you know, he didn't talk to me for two and a half years. I told him about this bill before I ever dropped it, uh, to over two and a half years ago. I said, we're going to do this. Please participate. I got crickets all the way up until an hour before we were, while the Senate was getting ready to vote on it and we were going to vote on concurrence. That was the first time, and and I didn't even sit with him. I sat with one of his staff and the hospital association, and the crux of the matter was, I and I compromised on several things, the one thing I would not give up on was allowing the puberty blockers for children. I couldn't, I've had to fight for that tooth and nail the whole way along, and while everyone was saying, yeah, we'll give up on the surgeries, they still want to do those puberty blockers. And here's the deal, Jack, when you give a kid uh, let a child go through puberty naturally, 85 to 95% of the time, the gender dysphoria will desist, and they'll just develop naturally. But when you give them puberty blockers, 98% of the time, they're going to go on to the opposite sex hormones, and so they've got a, a dangerous drug cocktail, and then they'll advance to surgery. And, and right now they're doing surgeries at the age 15 and 16 on young girls. And they're saying, okay, we'll wait two more years for that because we know if we got them hooked on the drugs, We know they'll follow through, and they'll become a patient for life, and that is something I could not say yes to. And so that's when the governor threatened me with a veto. They said he was going to veto it, Uh, but I thought that maybe after he started talking to some of our people, his eyes would be open. I provided him with oodles of research, article after article, uh, information after information. He asked me good questions, and I was very hopeful that he would do the right thing. I really believed that he was going to see the light. And maybe that's my mistake, but I really believed it. And, uh, and I thought if he listened to them, their stories don't make sense. There's no logic. There's no science. There's only an emotional appeal. But we don't make decisions based on emotions. We make them based on facts and based on the science. And I just, I was so hopeful for the governor. I'm going to be honest. I was very hopeful, and I was very disappointed.
1: I, I knew it was coming. I, I, but I, I no, appreciated I should
3: have your, you, Jack. I should have.
1: I, <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't mean it that way, but here, here's the other part that I think is interesting. And, and I want to, I want to put this out there and then I'll ask one more question. Cause I know you've got a busy day In this national review article. It says, um, moreover, the gender That's clinicians funny. and activists who celebrated his veto do not believe in voluntary parental consent. They believe no. the law should be used to dispossess non-affirming parents of their children that affirmation of gender ideology should become a requirement for adoption, and that any sign of rejection of gender ideology should be considered a red flag indicating potential child abuse. This is the state getting in between. Now, if you don't believe me, uh, I'm going to play Cut 17 for you, uh, State Representative Click. This is Dr. Lee Ann Connard of Cincinnati really? Children's Hospital. You don't think that they're going to try to usurp your parental rights? And get in front of you. This is this is out of her own mouth. Here we go. Cut 17.
2: So mental health is really important. So we can refer a child for therapy without the parent knowing that the kid told us they're transgender if they're having significant anxiety and depression.
1: So Governor DeWine wants to talk about family values and parental rights. But the people here listening to he's listening to are right there.
3: Jack he had that he had that audio he had that video uh i I have two hours worth of that that i that was handed over to me and i i in all two hours of it there's nothing about parental rights in there. The parents either go along with the institution or they work around or they try to manipulate the parents and convince the parents or they work around the parents but there is not one time in two hours worth of the webinar produced by the Children's hospitals, do they say, let's listen to the parents. Let's get feedback from the parents. The parents know the children better than we do. Not one time do they say that. It's either work convince the parents or work around the parents, but never respect the parents. Or
1: take the kids away from the parents. Uh, January 10th is the target date, I understand, where this may come to the the House floor. Are you hearing the same things? And then let me ask the question this way. One, will it come to the floor? And two, there are concerns that I've received from readers and listeners to the show who said – is Stevens going to put it up to vote before he has the votes and it's not going to pass? And then he's going to stand back and go, see, I tried. Uh, give our listeners an update on what we can expect in the House, if, if anything, to override well, I'm,
3: I'm going to tell you, you know, and it's no secret that we've had some uh, controversy within our own caucus. I'm going to tell you, Jack, this is the one thing that has been unifying in our caucus. No matter which side you're on, the majority of our caucus supports this um and stevens and i have had our moments there's no doubt about that documented but stevens has been good on this from uh, day one and that's one thing i cannot complain about uh i truly believe that uh we have and and i'm telling you i've just seen so many people coming out publicly on both sides of this uh of that divide who've been publicly making statements they're ready to get there they're ready to override Uh, and of course we have just the momentum every Every elected statewide official has come out, except for Sherrod Brown, of course, has come out and said we need to override this. That includes the Lieutenant Governor, Jack. Yep, he'll be on uh, later. He didn't phrase it that way, but that's basically what he is implying. He said he wants this to become law. the The presidential candidates have come out in favor of this. At least the top three have. Yep. The bottom three haven't said anything, and they, anyone who wants to be president needs to come out uh, and say where they stand. On a J.D. Vance's bill, he has a similar bill uh, in, the, in the House of Representatives. This needs to go national to protect all kids, even in those crazy left-wing states like California. Every child deserves to be protected. Every child deserves to grow up intact and be able to make adult decisions as adults and let the kids be kids.
1: Uh, do you have a number for Governor Mike DeWine where listeners might be able to call? We've got about 20 seconds here.
3: I, I don't have that on me. Okay, I'll get uh, that. I don't have that handy. I'm sorry,
1: Jack. I'll get it. Uh, State Representative Gary Click, thank you for giving us everything you know about House Bill 68. Keep up the good fight, brother. We appreciate you. All right. God bless you, Jack. God bless you. good work, too. Absolutely. And uh, we'll be back. Hey, should the Ohio General Assembly override Governor DeWine's veto of House Bill 68? Right now, 92.5% of you say yes. So uh, you better pick up the phone. You better call the governor. You better email him. Um, and actually, more, more than that, your representatives and senators. More on the other side of the break. Hey, I want to tell you about my friends at the Freedom Foundation. Go to optouttoday.com. That's the crux of it. They're going to help you opt out of your union. Did you know the Supreme Court said five years ago that if you want a government job, you don't have to join a union to get it? And if you have a government job, you don't have to join the union to keep it. And if you aren't in the union, you don't have to pay union dues. Those three simple facts you're not going to hear abundantly from your union representatives or the union bosses. Why? Because you bankroll the operation and monolithically, these bozos support all this radical stuff going on in our schools, going on in our government, and they bankroll people like Joe Biden and frankly, people like Mike DeWine Um but if you go to the Freedom Foundation, com, you can see how simple and seamless it is to opt out. You'll keep money away from union bosses, but the best part is that money stays in your wallet, in your purse, in your pocket, and uh, you're going to save about $1,000 a year. And despite what Corinne Jean-Pierre says about the state of the economy, you only have to look at your grocery bill or pay your – Heating bill to know uh, that's bunk. So save about $1,000 a year. Go to optouttoday.com. And the Freedom Foundation is super fantastic. They are supporters of the Ohio Press Network, where I am editor-in-chief. And by the way, if you're not yet subscribed to the Ohio Press Network, what are you waiting for? Truly, we're not the biggest outfit, but you're going to get news and stories that you will not get anywhere else. I promise you that. And we have an incredible syndication relationship with – Several outlets that do a fantastic job like Real Clear Politics, Just the News, The Center Square. Um, Speaking of Real Clear Politics, by the way, I'm going to downshift a little bit. We're going to slow down on House Bill 68. I got my blood pressure up a little bit, but we're going to come back to it at 1235 with Attorney General Dave Yost. So there's more. But uh, I want to march through a couple of other things um, that I think are super, super important. So looking at real clear politics today, I want to go through the numbers. Nationally, Trump leads in the Republican primary 62 and a half over Haley's 11.2. Now, in Iowa, it's closer. Trump's at 51.3. DeSantis, 18.6. Haley, 16.1. Now, New Hampshire is really interesting. Um, Haley is within striking distance there. Uh, Trump, 46.3. Uh, Nikki Haley, uh, Dick Cheney in three-inch heels, uh, 24.8. Uh, Biden is right now running away with the nomination. But if you listen to Glenn Beck at all uh, or anything that they've written over there at the Blaze, they're talking about uh, basically a superdelegate, uh, somebody that would bypass the process um, kind of the panic button, if you will, and he believes that that's going to be who do you think, Michelle Obama? That's who. That's who they believe will be the panic button, and that that gives me a little bit of heartburn. Um, but it's a little bit embarrassing if if Kamala Harris was Kamala uh, way to D.C. to cackle Harris was the right choice for Joe Biden. Why is she only at four point eight percent? You mean to tell me that Joe Biden makes some bad political choices like leaving behind a whole arsenal in the Middle East or appointing someone to the Supreme Court that can't even tell you what a woman is? Um, Yeah, that Joe Biden. So nationally, because of that kind of stuff, Trump is up 2.4 on Biden, uh, 46.2 to 43.8. And that is based on the real clear politics average. Um, There is a new poll that what that came out today. Suffolk university, um, USA today. We'll dive into that in a minute. And that has some interesting information. Uh, some stuff that has me a little panicked. And, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, DeSantis leads Biden in that um, hypothetical head to head by 0.2, 47 to 46.8. And Nikki Haley, 45.2 to 40.3. She leads Biden by 4.9. So, It'll be interesting to see now keep in mind these numbers are pre witch hunt trials for Donald Trump. These numbers are pre Donald Trump winning the nomination and the left and their water carriers and the press, the progressives, right? The whole panic machine going full on against Donald Trump, although you, you can hear them. They're, they're warming up, right? They're, they're ready to sing the tune. They're just warming up right now. Uh The thing that's really interesting about these numbers – we'll dive into this right now. A survey was conducted by USA Today and Suffolk University uh, found that heading into a critical election year, Biden trails with several of the key demographics that helped him win the White House in 2020. Biden earned 34 percent support among Hispanic voters surveyed compared with Trump's 39 percent. I would tell you that that probably has a lot to do with the border crisis. I think that there are Hispanics who say, you know what? This is bunk. I came here legally. I came here to escape this garbage, and I'm not going to put up with it. That marks a large decline since 2020 when Biden earned 65% of that demographic group. Now, the president has also lost support from black voters. After carrying 87% support in the demographic in 2020, Biden now has just 63% The survey found the interesting part about that, though, is that that support didn't go to Donald Trump. His support from black voters has remained about the same support slipped over to a third party candidate. So that's an interesting crosstab to analyze and keep in your mind. Biden's support from younger voters has dropped as well in 2020. Biden crushed Trump by 24 points among the young But the survey found that Trump now leads among voters under 35 with 37 percent support to Biden's 33 percent. Now, here's a critical piece. Young progressives have been disappointed that Biden has not taken more action on priorities such as climate change and voting rights. Student loan repayments resumed after his efforts to forgive a significant amount of debt were blocked by the Supreme Court. Biden's backing of Israel and its war with Hamas is also disliked by many younger Americans who are typically more sympathetic to Palestinians affected in the conflict. So three key data points there, climate change, voting rights, and Palestine. Palestine. That That should startle you. It should concern you, and it should help you understand that Donald Trump is not going to carry that vote. I really don't believe that he will. That will change as we get closer to the election. Why? Because Joe Biden will, in an effort to win that demographic, he will make some comments against Israel that are more pro-Palestine. He will start tub-thumping the green energy stuff again and certainly talk about voting rights. Alan, that piqued your interest.
2: Well, uh, all I can think of, this is the same guy that on day one, how many executive orders did he pin?
1: Oh, Lord, I should know that. It was like 20, 25 or 22 something. something. Yeah. 20 (laughs) million. (laughs) I'll look that up. Go ahead. It's
2: like, but so in an effort to garner support from the ignorant masses of the children, they are children. They are. Um. He's going to executive order stuff and go, go, look, I did voting rights, uh, federal elections, whatever he can concoct or they can concoct in a executive order. He's going to sign it if he can remember how to sign something, you know, uh, and that's going to, you know, win that demographic. You know, he's going to come up with some executive order of some kind for this stuff. I just I just, you know, it's coming. Yeah, you know, it's coming. That's what again, I'll be honest with you. I don't know the whole, I don't know anything about executive orders and, and why we have them and, you know, how powerful they actually are. He's an abuser of those. Absolute oh, absolutely.
1: Those. Well, and that's why, and I know we're out of time, uh, the Supreme Court case uh, with the EPA where they said essentially there was administrative overreach. That's a critical decision going into this election okay. cycle. Hey, uh, more of that and more in our number two.